0: How's it South Africa, and thanks for listening to Farmers Inside Track, the country's most downloaded farmers' podcast. Welcome to episode 226. I'm your host, Dawnumdu. Dr. Tatenda Kawane is a natural problem solver. His most recent idea could eventually help shrink the pomegranate industry's plastic footprint and can even curb food losses along its value chain. Dr. Kawena developed an edible coating that extends the storage and shelf life of this Mediterranean fruit. Thank you so much for joining us here on Farmers Inside Track, Dr. Tatenda Kawena. It is so lovely to have you here with me and I'm so looking forward to chatting to you today.
1: It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me, Don. I'm really excited as well to be chatting with you, getting to share the work that I've been doing uh, with everybody that will be listening.
0: I usually love to start with, you know, just like growing up years, getting to know the person behind your research, behind the work that you do in agriculture. So tell us more about where you're from, your growing up years. You grew up in Marondera in Zimbabwe. Just some of those memories, fun childhood memories about where you grew up and a bit about your family.
1: I'm from Marondera in Zimbabwe. So Marondera is a town that was built in between the capital city of Zimbabwe called Arare and also another town called Mutare. So Marondra, basically, it's a beautiful town, mostly built for people that were retiring, but also people that were interested in agriculture in terms of growing crops like tobacco, maize. So there's a lot of agriculture that is happening there. And actually, recently, they built a university that is based off agriculture. So it's growing so much. It's becoming more and more a bigger a city, if you may look at it from the agriculture point of view. So it was very nice growing up in there. I think one of the things that I loved about Marondera was the fact that we're very much close to the rural areas, So you could easily move from your father's house and travel to the rural areas where our fathers came from. And in those areas, it was very nice because I would help my grandmother to head cattle, to plow, because they used to grow a lot of cotton, a lot of beans, and it was quite nice. Um, we also had opportunities to go fishing with my dad. I think that was something that was nice, and there was a lot of forests around. We'd go and eat uh, wild quad fruits. So it was pretty nice. I also used to play a lot of soccer growing up as well. (laughs) I was just thinking about you
0: talking about look at fruit. I mean, it it probably wasn't as luscious as yours, but I had like this one tree (laughs) (laughs) in my neighbor's yard. And we would always like when the season came, we would be climbing that tree Uh. eating the fruit. So it's so lovely to hear you talk about your childhood and your memories a little bit more about how you grew up. I'm assuming this is what led you to agriculture. It feels like it was in your blood. You were born with it, you know. So is this definitely where you decided to pursue this career? If you didn't do this, where do you think you would have ended up?
1: So funny thing is, I actually didn't want to get into agriculture. I think in high school, I was very good at mathematics and chemistry. So I always saw myself as a chemical engineer. I would dream about becoming a chemical engineer. But later on, as I grew, I began to understand why I loved chemistry and why I loved mathematics. And I realized it was because those subjects presented problems for me. And I loved solving problems. So I'm a natural problem solver. And so when I began to understand the economy more and the society that I was growing in, I saw that agriculture was a very big thing. And so when the opportunity to go study agriculture came, I literally took it with both hands because I could see myself making an impact. If you look at Zimbabwe, it was like the breadbasket of Africa because there were a lot of crops like maize, tobacco that were grown there. So I could see myself making a change. And so that is why I decided to pursue agriculture when the opportunity came to study agriculture.
0: Tell us a little bit about that journey before we get more into the work that you're doing to date. So when you went after high school, what happened after that?
1: I started off in undergrad and I was at the University of Forte, and I was studying Bachelor of Science in Agriculture and I was majoring in crop and soil science. So actually in that degree, I was trained to become a pure agronomist, working with maize, sorghum, also looking at the soil health, making sure that the soil that we cultivate on is of good health as an agronomist. Then after that. I began to shift my focus because I saw that horticulture was quite big in South Africa and there were greater opportunities as well. So that's when the opportunity to study my master's at Stellenbosch came through. Then I started to work on technologies that we can use to minimize post-harvest losses in apples and pears. So for my master's, I actually worked on my apples and pears, applying cold storage technologies to minimize losses such as DK, Superficial Scout. And then that is when I embarked on the PhD journey that I successfully finished my board one year ago.
0: Absolutely amazing. Can I say overachiever? <laughs> <Just>
1: like, <laughs> I don't know. I am going <laughs> to put
0: that out there. I love your journey and you sharing it with me it makes me so excited to hear and experience even just like through you. Thank you so much for sharing that. I want to talk a little bit more about the work that you're doing now, and then maybe we can also talk about your research and your PhD as we go on with the conversation. So you're currently a chief operation and science manager for Provera, a company that's based here in Paul, and they're focusing on independent evaluation of new fruit cultivars and rootstocks and a data center for the latest product development intelligence. Now, that sounds like a really big title, <laughs> and it sounds
2: very
1: important. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> what is day-to-day like for you? What do you enjoy most about the work that you're doing currently?
1: How I started at Prova, I started off as a project manager. So, meaning to say there was a specific project that I was managing, and that project focused on looking at different Apple cherry and plum cultivars and selections that come into South Africa. So what we wanted to find out is which cultivar or which selection does well in the different climates or weather environments that we have in South Africa. So I was basically managing that project with interns that were under me. Hopefully, what we wanted to achieve was a situation whereby we can give recommendations to growers that, well, in this environment, this is the cultivar that works. In this environment, this is the plum cultivar that works. You shouldn't grow this type of cherry in this environment. And that project is actually still going on. But then from there, my position kind of changed a little bit. And then I began to oversee the operations of the company, making sure that everything that we produce out of our company in terms of the reports, our image, our brand as a company, how we represent ourselves To our clients is of the highest quality. At the moment, overseeing the quality management system of the company, but also still involved in the science in terms of project acquisitions, new clients. I'm also involved in that and mentoring students as well because we've got interns that come all the way from Italy, some come from France. So I'm also involved in that process. So, day to day activities, it's quite interesting because everything always keeps changing, you know. (laughs) I have days where I just wake up and spend the whole day behind my desk reviewing reports, making sure that our scientific papers that we are publishing look good, looking at how different departments in our companies are performing, what are the areas that we can improve. But also I get involved with simple things such as harvesting. Some of the days that I literally go out into the field in the sun. And I'm helping everybody to harvest, whether it's grapes, whether it's plums or cherries. So it's a bit of both. A lot of office work, obviously, paperwork, research. But I also travel around the Western Cape into the different orchards and actually get involved, hands-on approach with the different activities that we do.
0: I think it's so amazing because that's just the diversity of the sector, right? Yes, definitely. <laughs> no days ever the same. That is exactly what I love about it. And I also love that it's always been so innovative and innovation is definitely key in the sector. Tell us more about this idea that you had, that you did your PhD on, will eventually help shrink the pomegranate industry's plastic footprint There's also obviously more things along the chain, you know, curbing food losses along the industry value chain. So maybe you can just tell us more about this and what makes it so exciting.
1: If we look at it from what the United Nations is trying to do in terms of the sustainable development goals, if you look at it, that one of the goals that is there is to reduce the global food losses. So what they believe is that by the year 2030, would have reduced by half the global food waste, both at retail, also at consumer level, along the supply chain. So the department that I was at Salambosh University, that is the South African chair in post harvest technology, that is basically the work that we're trying to do. We're trying to reduce food losses at retail level, consumer level, production level. And so this is the work that we were trying to do using the pomegranate fruit as a model crop. So the same things can be applied when it comes to plums, when it comes to nectarines. But in this case, with my research, we were using pomegranate as the model crop. And also what we were trying to do is, obviously there's a situation in France where the plastic usage is being reduced. France is literally banning the use of plastics So, we're trying to find a solution for that, but using the pomegranate fruit as a model crop. So, what we did now was to look at what we call edible coatings. So, this is a liquid that when you apply it on a fruit, it sets and forms a layer around the fruit. So, naturally, or because of that, it reduces the amount of moisture that a fruit loses. So, pomegranate is actually one of the fruits that loses a lot of moisture. So, if you harvest it today, Tomorrow you won't probably recognize it because it loses a lot of moisture. So we then thought of how can we use edible coatings to cover the surface of the fruit in such a way that it doesn't lose a lot of moisture. But at the same time, when you're covering that fruit, you don't want to suffocate the fruit because if you suffocate it, once a consumer eats that fruit, they will test alcohol. So we're now trying to use mathematics to try and optimize that layer around the fruit so that. It minimizes moisture loss or water loss, but it doesn't suffocate the fruit. So that is what we were trying to do. And after that, looking at is it even possible for us to just coat our fruit and package that fruit and transport it to the different destinations around the world without using plastics. So that was basically what my study was looking at.
0: Looking back at your journey and you know how far you've come, I must say leveling up in so many ways. And I totally love that for you. If you could leave, you know, yourself a message from, say, five years ago, what message would that be? And then if you're listening to this podcast in 10 years time, inshallah, what would you say to your future self?
1: The person that I was five years ago needed more belief, (laughs) needed more belief because I think I found myself in a situation whereby it was quite difficult because We've also found ourselves going through the COVID situation. Things were quite tough. So I would say to that person, (laughs) believe in yourself a bit more. (laughs) The sky is the limit. And I think the person that I will be 10 years from now, I would want to tell that person that you can be proud of yourself. And hard work does pay off.
0: You've explained very clearly, you know, how it came about. Do you think that it would be accepted openly in the industry? What are you thinking around that? What do you think in terms of the timelines of, you know, actually putting it into practice, using this research to the benefit of the industry?
1: It's like any technology, like any solution, there's always a challenge in terms of it being accepted. And any person that has ever been in a fruit peck house will tell you that there are certain set systems, certain ways that the peckhouse people want to do their stuff. Trail lines that are already set for fruit, fruit goes from one step to another. So now for you to come and then say, okay, we've got this technology that we want you to try out, it's always a challenge. But I think one of the things that we did during our research was to talk to peckhouse managers and see whether they are open to the idea. And what we actually found out is that some of them have actually started importing certain coating solutions from overseas and they're beginning to try it out. So where our research actually comes in is to almost give them the assurance that indeed the concept of using coatings actually work. So I don't think it's it's a matter of 100 years before people start actually implementing this. I think to a certain degree, peckhouses are already using coatings on the fruit But I think the science that we've produced almost gives them the confidence and also the platform for us to further optimize these solutions so that they perform much better.
0: And can this be mimicked to other crop types and fruit types as well?
1: Yes, 100%. Before we actually started the research, we did a literature review or literature search like how all scientists do to try and find out what is out there And so what we actually realized is that the work is pretty advanced when you look at other crops or other fruit types such as plums, nectarines. Edible coatings are already being used, but there wasn't much that was done on the pomegranate side. So I would say to a certain extent we took an idea that was on other crop types and we put it on pomegranate, but we can still extend it to other fruit types. So That is basically what we did, and technology definitely can be extended to other fruit types with further optimization.
0: Now, in some parts of the world, like in France, the use of plastic has been banned at retail level. How will this innovation change the game for both producers, exporters, and others along the value chain?
1: Definitely. I think for any producer or an exporter, the market access is very big. Recently, we were talking to some pomegranate producers and also the pomegranate board. And I think their major focus at the moment is market access. They want to penetrate more and more markets. And if, for instance, we look at France as a destination, if we can develop and we can get this technology in our system, we can safely secure France as a market destination for food because we won't need to use any plastics. So it's quite important. And also, if you look at the fact that we're already in trouble when it comes to recycling plastics, for instance, we don't have that capacity. And even the plastic liners that these farmers use and producers use to export the fruit is very expensive. If you look at their budget and you look at the cost of the plastic material, plastic packaging, it's very, very expensive. So if we can replace that plastic for them, Not only does it cut down on costs, but we can secure certain markets.
0: I'm so excited about this innovation and seeing it actually be put into practice. I think that will be absolutely amazing. Maybe you can just talk about your future plans, you know, a little bit about that. I don't see you as a farmer. (laughs) I see you wearing some t-tone colors today, but what's happening in the future for you?
1: Obviously, in the immediate future, I don't really want to become a farmer. But after a while, I'm not going to farming, <laughs> and that's because I think there's so much that I can learn in the industry, and also with the opportunity that Prova is giving me, I get a lot of exposure, meeting the farmers, understanding the problems that they have. So in the immediate future, I would like to you know communicate more science, be involved in a lot of publications mentoring other young scientists, getting to meet more and more farmers, understanding their issues and their problems. And then after that period, then I think I can get into farming. Go <laughs> back to your roots. Yeah, I can go <laughs> back to the farming side.
0: Such a pleasure chatting to you, Dr. Tatenda Kawena, and everything of the best with the amazing work that you're doing. Next up, and before we let you go, we celebrate this week's hashtag Soil Sister. Eastern Cape farmer Tuleka Nguana. She comes from an entrepreneurial family. Operating different businesses comes naturally, from hospitality to retail. So when her parents decided to start a commercial farm, succeeding was inevitable. She recalls learning from her grandfather that finding a niche market is key to ensure any business thrives.
2: I come from Port St. Johns, the old Transkei. It is now the Eastern Cape. I come from a, a background of entrepreneurs and family business people. I'm involved in several businesses across different industries from bakeries to supermarkets, hardware, hospitality, timber, farming and property. When I was growing up, I was exposed to my grandparents who were running shops, supermarkets, and my grandfather used to also run a very popular butchery in Mount Frey that earned him the nickname Magna which in English means fat from a calf. That also spoke to his enterprising ways in basically deciding on a niche market that was different to what people were doing at the time, Where he focused on younger cows, which were obviously more tender, and that gave his butchery a lot of popularity. For me, that was my first introduction, really, into the business of farming, because we used to go to auctions with him every week when we were on holidays, see how he's buying all the cows, slaughtering them for the butchery. Also, my grandmother used to raise chickens and sell eggs. So she used to buy day-old chicks, raise them for meat, also raise some for the eggs, sell them in her shops and in also my grandfather's shops. I mean, I grew up with that exposure, but I didn't look at farming as like a career or like maybe a serious standalone business. However, fast forward three decades, as my parents were about to go into, let's say, semi-retirement, they decided to focus their business activities into farming. So they embarked on a more structured farming, raising cows, maize, soya, and wheat. The farm is in Kogstad. My mom and dad started breeding and selling winners to feedlots and abattoirs. So we breed with over 500 cows, about 20 bulls, and we sell about plus minus 400 wieners annually. We also farm with wheat and maize, about 200 hectares of maize, 50 hectares of soya, 50 hectares of wheat. What my aspirations for the future are is to see the family farming enterprise going to the next level and building on the great job that my parents have already started and improving on areas like governance, compliance, and going more into processing instead of being primary producers.
0: Tuleka is, of course, one of the women selected for the Cotevo Women Agripreneur Programme. This is, of course, a year-long blended development programme at the Gordon Institute of Business Science, Entrepreneurship Development Academy to support her to grow her agricultural business. And that brings us to the end of this edition from me, Don Numdu, our technical producer, Megan Fandefent and the rest of the hashtag team food Zanzi. Have a beautiful rest of the week. Bye for now.
2: Life in South Africa can be a lot. I mean, scroll through Twitter for minutes and tell me I'm wrong. Thank God for South Africans though, right?